I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is a bonus, bonus episode with some fire guests on today. Fire guests. Mm-hmm. Flames. Coming out here. Maybe. Do you think A1 and J1 like my rapping, my freestyling? I, I'm not sure they actually even liked you. To be honest, let alone your rapping. They did like it. I don't know about it. Here we go. Harry Stebbings on the podcast. Is your hair blonde or brown? Or like, it's, is it it's actually, that it's actually kind of tiger. Yeah. On the ti- tigress. I like it. Thank you. It wasn't intentional. <laughs> you do um, not. Like, let's dye your hair and let's do that. <laughs> We'd have to donate a lot of money let's, for that. Like, like, <laughs> let's leave my hair out of it. It's, it's, it's transitioning. Harry, what's your morning routine? Do you have a routine in the morning? Uh, well, I mean, yes, actually. I actually get up really, really late. Um, really? Yeah, what time? Um, it's 5.30, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I get up at like 9.30, 10. Because mm. I don't go to bed until 3, 3.30. And so, because I work US hours, so I like, wake up super late. And then always, because I also have US email, like my email is just fucked in the morning. Really? And then Twitter as well. I'm, you guys have it too. But like Twitter as well, everything's just fucked. And so I wake up and I'm just like, oh my God. And honestly, I mostly like from 9.30 till 10, I go pad to get an espresso uh, and I go get a grenade white chocolate protein bar. Uh, Sorry, that's your breakfast. Yeah, 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 that's my breakfast. You have a grenade yeah, 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 protein no, no, no. bar. I thought you were going to say something else. Was, I go, go get a grenade. grenade. I toss it out the window <laughs> just in anger. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 genuinely, I get it. I cut it up with a sharp knife. That's, and then that's I, a bit mad. Oh, it's really, really weird. Uh, honestly, I'm super creepy in so many ways. I can't wait to find <laughs> a slightly American psycho. And, and then already. I take it back to my bed on like a small plate, not a big plate, uh, on a small plate. And then I do my email and Twitter with my white chocolate grenade protein bar and my Pepsi Max. And, and uh, my at what time do you dispose of the body? That's not Hi, uh, about 9.45. Hang on. Hang on. You missed the big point there. What? You have an espresso. Protein Proning and a Pepsi Max. Oh yeah, but, but oh, also, I missed that. Pepsi yeah, yeah, Max. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also get up at six to have. Um, I have chicken and the Pepsi Max then as well, and then I do like email as well. Wait, Harry, this is nuts. Hang on, yeah. What was? Did so, you not know this? No, no. Ex- so, so girlfriend thinks I'm literally like a like psycho because I will literally go to the kitchen and open my chicken, which is chili chicken or barbecue chicken, one of the two. <laughs> Depends if it's a Friday. I might you know go for a tangy lemon and lime, uh, and, and then I'll have a Pepsi then too. What? Yeah. So, so is this at 6 a.m. you get up and eat the yeah, chicken? Yeah, yeah, and it's not like I deliberately do it. I just every morning I get up at 6 a.m. Like, I, I can't help it. I go but then you go and, back to bed. And, and you go, so you go back to bed, so have some chicken, you know, maybe respond to any urgent emails at 6, and then go back to bed. Why don't you explain, before we go into other things, who you are, what you do, why people know you, why people may not know you, <laughs> but what, what some people in certain industries, why they're obsessed with you? Very kind of you. Uh, I mean, listen, I started a podcast when I was 18 called The 20 Minute VC. I fell in love with venture capital when I was 13. Venture capital, for those that don't know, investing in early stage technology companies. Um, you know, many of the biggest companies today, Facebook, Uber, Twitter, have all been venture backed. Uh, so you did that at 13. <laughs> I was falling in love with very different things. <laughs> no, I think not... I was falling in love with them too. They just weren't reciprocated. <laughs> yeah. but, but wait, just quickly, uh, venture capital, does that have to be tech? Traditionally, yes. There's other forms of early financing, but 
venture capital is technology oriented. Um, and I fell in love with it because I watched a movie. Like my life has been changed by one movie, which is The Social Network, where it's Facebook's growth story. And I saw one scene which has a VC in it. And I was like, oh my God, I love venture capital. And then for the next five years, all I did was read blogs about venture capital, which is probably why I was single throughout my teenage years. <laughs> um, and then I started uh, the podcast when I was 18. I had no money. I had like $50. And I spent $40 on a microphone, not as nice as this, and $10 on a domain name. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> I really have to do this now. Um, and, then I, and then I became a scholar at King's to do law. And I was like hating that. I fell asleep in my first law lecture and then I like, fell on to the person next to me. And then I just realized that I was a terrible lawyer. Well, I was in there for a month and two weeks for freshers. So I can't, can't really say. And you weren't doing anything during those freshers uh, week. I, I was not. I was just reading. <laughs> eating a protein bar. Eating protein bars, getting up at 6 a.m. And, and then, yeah, I started the show when I was 18. Um, and it, I've been doing it for eight years. Really? Wow. Yeah, I think like the biggest problem with people not doing well in whatever they do is they just give up too persistency yeah. I know. it's just a game of can you survive the longest yeah I, i've done three thousand podcast episodes i would say for 1500 of them they have less than a thousand listens uh, you know uh, wow yeah, yeah. now we get a million a day now we're at 30 million a month that is wild yeah how, you do a million listens a day. Yeah, globally. Jay's across the catalog. Seething with jealousy. But across the catalog. No, I'm not seething with jealousy. I'm more, I'm more incredibly um, impressed. A, a, bi- a big one for us has also been, well, one, you know, you've seen like the world suddenly become fascinated by tech. Mm. So you've seen the world become fascinated by tech and the world become fascinated by venture capital and startups. And so I was kind of perfectly situated where podcasts became huge and then tech became huge. And then on top of that, we have massive audiences in Asia and Latin America where it makes a, you know, just big, big numbers of people. What, what is your, what is your um, turnover for your podcast? Uh, Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. Come no, no, on. No, 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 Why not? Very personal question. It's a very personal okay, question. about the can money I, with can you, I, Jay. No, it's not. It's all about the money. All about the money. No, it's an art. It's a business. You're, podcasting is a business, it, it right? Is a business. So it's, it's not saying this money is going to anyone's pockets. You run it like a business. Like, is it above two million? Yes. There you go. Yeah, that's a huge amount of money in terms of podcasting and also someone who's built that business since they were 18 years old yeah. with $50 in their pocket. That's incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's a very good business. Also, like, people forget the the cost of content, which is like, this is quite a cheap form of content to create and compared to investigative As journalism. in this particularly. I mean, about talking with, about. with these two <laughs> blokes. <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, it's it's a relatively cheap form of content. So it's a, it's a very good business. What is, what is your brain like? Uh, it, 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 this, that's such a weird. If I've had my chicken at six a.m. <laughs> but that's a, that's a weird um, question to ask, I suppose. But for someone, it's 18, actually eight... very challenging because you never yeah. ever switch off. Your mind is always always racing. Like I see billboards and I'm like, huh. I wonder what you know. CAC is customer acquisition cost. How much does it cost to acquire a new customer? I look at billboards and I'm like, how much is like transfer wise spending on that? How many people are converting on that? Uh, what's the spend that they spend through transfer wise? And that sounds great, but mm. it's actually quite exhausting. Yeah. And you just always are like that. But have you always been like that? Yeah. Like, but what, what, before it was business, what was it? I mean, it was always really business. My, my father was a stockbroker and he used to bring back these sheets of the weekend. And when I was like nine or 10, I'd go through the sheets and look for anomalies, which is like, you know, standouts that don't appear to make sense in the data. Mm. And that was when I was like nine or 10. The thing is, is that typically kids are interested in trains when they're younger or mm. tv peppa pig um doing the sacrace football i don't know whatever it is but you're not 
And you never were interested in that. No. I, I, and at 18 years old to go, are you watching the social network and you suddenly go, oh my God, this is, I'm really, I'm interested in what he's, is it because money was a drive you? Did money interest you from an early age? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually really dislike the demonization of like, oh, people saying I like money is a bad thing. Like, am I incredibly passionate about technology? Fuck yes. Do I also love money? Yes. Money is important. You know, a big thing for me when I was younger, I saw my grandparents lose their house and, you know, bailiffs come and they take it away and you lose security and all freedoms. And that is incredibly jarring. Mm -hmm. And actually I saw that and I really shaped me. I was like, I'm never, ever going to be in this situation and I'm going to fucking fight to make sure that this never, ever happens. And I think this is the other thing that people forget. It's like, you know, you kindly say all these nice things about me, loving fans. I was like a B-plus student. You know, people listen often to, like, young business people, like, oh, super wonder kid or whatever. I wasn't at all. I was very average, actually. But I tell you what I do. I work fucking hard. I have seven years. I've worked seven days a week. And I know it's not cool, and I know we hate this hustle (laughs) culture. But the harder I work, the luckier I get. Well, how do you have, like, downtime? What do you do? Oh, oh. How do you I mean, decompress? I mean, I talked to my best friend, uh, this guy Josh Buckley. He's a U.S. ambassador, incredible guy. Um, I speak to him every night for about an hour and a half from 12.30 till 2. Um, and I crack open a bottle of wine, uh, big red wine man. Um, and, you know, I sit on my balcony and, you know, talk to my friend. That's, your, that's the <laughs> pretty, way of wine you Yeah, pretty that's dreamy. pretty much it. It's, it's amazing because you, you have, you interviewed with 20 Minute VC... It's insane. How did you get your first ever guest? And or, uh, not your first ever guest, but your first big guest. For people listening now, they're going, right, we want to get into the workspace, or we want to get into business, or we want to get into podcasting and get guests. How do you reach out and start doing that? I think the biggest mistake we've made is they just don't make the first step. We've all had these friends who are like, oh, I have this idea. I have this idea. How many actually do it? How many commit to it? And how many just start? It would have been so easy for me not to have started. And then I would have been a lawyer in London, which is nothing wrong with that, but it's just not what I was obviously meant to do, given, you know, I was terrible at law. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, you just have to start one. But then, no, like, I emailed a very famous guy called Guy Kawasaki. He was the chief evangelist at Apple, friends with Steve Jobs, a big figure in the tech ecosystem. And I emailed him because I found his website. I went in the source code, which is like the code behind the website, which you can get on any browser, like Chrome. Um, and I emailed him. And I, uh, the other thing, people mess up badly. Wait, say that again. So you can go, you can go behind the web browser. You can go, go behind the website to see the code that builds it. Code How on earth do you oh, do I, that? I always do that. Yeah. Always no, do. Every yeah. website, I always look right behind, check out I what's mean, going on. If you, if you love the design of a website, <laughs> Wait, know, how it's, do like, you... it's like me asking, where did you get your hair done? I want to avoid that fucking hairdresser forever. <laughs> Whoa, I love my hairdresser. <laughs> wait, wait, how do you, how do you go behind that? that? Well, so... you, you just get, you go to Chrome and then you click view source code. So you view and then source code. And then it'll show you basically the structure and the code that builds that website. Um, and then in that, you will often find in like the header or the footer contact information. Um, wow. Yeah. And so, and, but you know, you can guess, I've guessed some of the most crazy emails. You know, I've used the tool called Clearbit, name your famous company, you can choose, and it'll give you the CEO's email. Mm. I, I've called email Jack Dorsey at Twitter. And you know that's amazing. So it's basically what you're saying is it's the fact that you just what you do is you just go out there and you fake it till you make it almost. But also do the work. People don't do the work beforehand. If someone says to you, Jamie, you know, an email, hey, episode twelve, you said this and it was fascinating. What did you mean by that? Episode sixteen, you said this. I thought it could be better with this. You'd be like, wow, shit, you've done your work. 
That's really interesting. And if you put in the work and you show that you've actually invested the time and you care, mm. people will engage. Guy Kawasaki was the first guest. I, so I emailed him and I said, hey, I've read four of your books. Page 289, you said this. Page line 11, you said this. Uh, uh, and then I asked him a couple of questions. He's like, really good questions, Harry. And I'm like, great, would you like to come on my podcast? Didn't say it was the first one, obviously. Uh, I've never wow. done this before. I'm going to do it in my kitchen and my mum's upstairs watching I'm a celebrity getting out of here. Uh, wow. And, uh, but then the biggest thing is you've got to, people rely on social validity. And so you say to the guest, hey, Jamie, loved having you on. Who would you recommend for the show? Three people that you think would be amazing. And can you introduce me? And they go, yeah. And then they give you three. And so the snowball starts. That is, it's so interesting. Okay, what what makes, with all the businessmen and, and CEOs and everyone that you've interviewed, what makes someone successful? What is the formula or isn't there one? Uh, no, I, I think, I mean, there's a couple of different formulas, but I think like fundamentally the greatest shame we have today is that we've lost the art of storytelling. Now there is such a big difference between when I was 18, I started a podcast. Let me tell you, when I was 18, I went up to my bedroom and my mother unplugged the home phones. I'd never done it before. I was shitting myself. I was so nervous. And I remember pressing the red button. And then I actually forgot to record the show. And then X and Y happened. You bring people in. You make them feel resonant with the story. And you actually like immerse them in that narrative. People don't do that. Whether you are starting a business, joining a company, selling something to a customer, selling something to an investor, you have to tell a story. You have to engage. Jamie, you've got to join me on this journey. Billionaires. Why do they just stop? Why do they want to keep getting wealthy? Why do they want to keep getting rich? Why do they want to keep making money? Because you can't take your money with you. No, you, you can't. I think there's part of it, which is like, you just love doing what you do. I mean, Stephen Hawking said, you know, just like basically never stop working. It's so instrumental just to like healthy functioning of life, which, you know, I do agree with in many ways. Alex Ferguson said that. He said, it, the reason why I don't want to quit man uh, being a manager is because I'm just waiting to die. Well, sure. I mean, like, what would I do if I didn't do this? I would be totally, I don't ever go on holiday because, and this is like, I want to tell my therapist, but I don't ever go on holiday because like, I am my work. And so if you remove me from my work, who am I? Like desperately bereft and alone. Um, yeah, happy holidays, Portugal. Uh, um, so like that would suck. And so like one, we have to is for healthy functioning. Two is a scoreboard. Like how do I know that I'm doing well in life? Most very, very successful people I've interviewed, you know, many, many billionaires. Um, and it's, it's a scoreboard in 99%. It's a measurement of how well am I doing compared to everyone else. And I need to be higher and higher and higher. But and that's a competitive streak. It's a competitive streak. I would argue that's. It's a slightly dangerous way to live your life where you're solely dependent on your work and without it, you're nothing. Well, no one said I was healthy. I mean, I get up yeah. at 6 a.m. <laughs> I guess, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not for everyone, but to, to have anything in your life where without something you're, you're nothing, I'd say, is quite a, is a, it's a scary prospect almost. Well, I, I think more to that, which I, I agree with your point. I agree with your point. I think, I think as humans, we're, we're always searching for, for identity and purpose, right? Yeah. And your purpose you found. Yeah. So... I guess you know that's 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 a positive. I just yeah, just it would it would scare me to think that without my work, I wasn't anything. Do you know what I mean? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah. Lots of people can go through life working or doing whatever and having a purpose in some sort of way, but it, they're not competitive. If you want to win, bluntly, you have to be a little bit deranged. And this is, again, what not many people are willing to say. Mm. This whole work-life balance, oh, great, great. And so many people say it after they've sold their company, and that's oh, wonderful, have eight hours sleep then. I promise you they didn't do it beforehand. You have to be a little bit deranged. You have to be a little bit off the charts to actually do something that no one else has done mm. or that no one else can or will do. And so, like, I do think that kind of maniacal focus is really important. But But does do you find when you interview these individuals, and perhaps yourself maybe and things that you find that sort of highly driven individuals highly successful individuals um have something they're also trying to prove yeah like i'm desperately trying to prove that i'm worth something that and you know you go back to god God, you guys are like therapists. I hope you're not going to invoice me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, no, I'm desperately trying to prove that I'm actually worth something. I was the fat kid at school that had no friends and like never went to the disco because like well, that was just awful. Like mm. I have to prove that actually I am worth something and that, you know, people should take notice. But why, why does your success then prove that to you? It just, it, I think it just, it, it's not right, but it, it's a way of, proving to yourself that oh actually i am worth something because i have built something or i have done something really good and i think it's just a way and as i said it's not healthy but it's just a way of proving to yourself that actually yeah i can do this and i can do something i think this like the the culture that we live in now it does breed this like ultra like blinkers on just work as hard as you can yeah and i think you know a lot of people that are ultra successful they get there they get to the top and then they realize that they've they've left all of the amazing things behind, you know, like just living and existing and being with your family and all the sort of the lovely things that that they can also do. I just I just wonder, like, I mean, I, I imagine you could probably encounter a lot of people in, in your world that are kind of unhappy, man, man, I, even I, though they've achieved what everyone looks at as the sort of the, the, the pinnacle. Man, I, there's things I thought I'd never say publicly, but no, I remember when I was like 21, 22, and I sat on my back and it sounds like a very ungrateful terrible thing to say but uh, you know i always watch like who wants to be a millionaire and you know luckily at that age i you know got to a stage where i had a, a million myself and i looked at the bank and i saw that and actually like i didn't have one friend really and i'd not been a great son because i've been working my ass off for so for three years mm. and actually it, to all my friends who i thought weren't successful from like school the people i was at school with who i thought weren't successful probably pretty successful actually because they had friendships they have real relationships they had hobbies and so I, I totally agree with you and i think that tying money to happiness or tying happiness to an achievement i'm gonna be happy when i get number one in the mm. podcast charts no you're not uh, like it, it doesn't happen like mm. so i think there's also a difference between happiness and joy joy is like i'm really like joyful now yeah it's not happy it's, it's almost sort of like a spiritual mantra, isn't it? You should never try and place happiness on something external. Yeah. It could be money, could be achievement, could be a lover or something. It's, it's all kind of from within. That's where it really... Yeah. If your obsession is um, money or women or men or cars or boats or holidays, there's never going to be enough. Yeah. So, so when does enough become enough? I don't, think, I don't think it does. I think you're on a perpetual treadmill to unhappiness and unsatisfaction until you realize that. That's actually... a dangerous road, right? And, and all of us, right? Or, you know, and, and the world is almost set up or, or sets yourself, typical sort of industries and cultures and countries, you're, set, you're, you're setting yourself up for sort of 
potential unhappiness rather but, than happiness. But also because the world tells you to do more of what you're good at and just tells you to go deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. Mm. You know, I was on that maniacal focus. This is the only thing that matters. And the world told me that was even more the case and that I was doing well in it and that I had to continue to do it and more and more and more and more. And you do more and more. You just listen to the environment around you. And actually, it like the world it creates this self-fulfilling mechanism for you to continue going down that rabbit hole, which is not right or, or good necessarily. There are times when it is. When you're super young, actually, I disagree with this whole, like, you know, experience the world. and you know, Nah, when you're 20 to 28, just smash it. Work so hard. Like, this is the time when we have time that others don't have. Really give it everything. Because when you're 28, 35, whatever it is, actually, you do, you do need to encompass more. You know, I've got a wonderful new girlfriend. I love having her in my life. She makes it so much richer. But I've worked my ass off for those eight years to get to a stage where actually I can start to think more broadly about the different components in my life. Yeah, but some people would say that when you're at that young age, you don't really know what you're doing. And that actually when you get to the ages of 29, 30, 31, you start to know yourself much better and then you can discover what you want to do. You were lucky, I suppose, as an individual because you knew what you wanted to do from a young age. No one has that opportunity. I well, not many have that opportunity. No, I totally agree. I was super like 13. I knew what I wanted to do. But then like for anyone who doesn't know what they want to do, I asked a simple question what do you do when it's your day off and they say huh i go to zara and you go oh why do you like zara well i love the way that they change clothes like trends so often and actually i just feel really invigorated by all the colors huh that's really interesting well you know do you think the discovery experience in shopping is right today would how do you feel about being a buyer for a company how do you feel about creating a blog that helps women find the right clothes for them in different seasons. Like, you know, you build around your passions. Like everyone loves something. It could be chocolate. I don't, it could be, yeah, that's it could big, be sweets, yeah. Jamie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what are you going to say, Matt? No, I, I just, I mean, it's so cliche to say that, you know, follow your passion. Oh, but it, it is so true. And at my ripe old age of uh, 28, um, actually I'm not, I'm 31. You're 28. I was about to say. <laughs> Do not look shy. Um, Good facial it, routine. It, it is true. And I, I spent a lot of my twenties doing things that I didn't really want to do because I felt like it was what I was supposed to do or it was the, the, the thing that presented itself to me. And like, now, well, like, like explain like what? Well, I mean, doing this podcast is probably one of the only things that <laughs> I still do that I don't want to do. But, um, I mean, you, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Like we did, we did so much like random shit off the back of Made in Chelsea. There's a lot of stuff that I just kind of, it wasn't really me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I get that. So yeah, I just, it, I now look back and I'm like, I, I don't regret anything, but definitely think, following that, what, what's like true to yourself, which I now do, it pays rewards. I think like, also, you said it wasn't really me. One big lesson that I've changed a lot on in the early days, and I think everyone does this in business when they're trying to set something up, you know, hi, you know, Jamie Lang, Alex Mitten, you know, Harry Stebbings, very formal, not storytelling not open and vulnerable like with me whenever i interview someone or i'm getting to know a founder that i'm investing in i'm like you know what actually i'm not doing great today i was bulimic when i was younger and you know eating disorders never really leave you and i'm actually struggling with that right now because i feel like i've put on weight and i feel horrible um how are you <laughs> that's that, like but meet that, someone it's a little bit jarring but they go actually i just had a massive fight with my wife and i don't know if it's gonna work huh well, this is a real conversation now. That's so, so you think that um, vulnerability is key when it comes to having that connection it's in interviews? Everything. It's absolutely everything. You have to make the other person feel safe. And you know what's so fascinating? I think if you're a good interviewer, you're a great investor. 
And the reason is, and early stage technology massive, because the reason is you have to make the other person on the other side of the table feel safe, feel that they can tell you anything. And so whether it's interviewing famous people or whether it's investing in companies, I'll say, whatever I'm struggling with, my mother's got multiple sclerosis, it sucks. And uh, it makes me sad. And then I have bulimia and that, you know, that's always tough too. And actually they open up too. And then you have a real conversation and the founder will say, actually, we missed our sales numbers and it's not looking very good. Well, great. That makes you a better investor. And actually you see how they deal with crisis and how they think about rehiring a sales team. It gives you a much, much richer interview or more information in a, in a in meeting with a founder. And you would never have got that if you weren't open. That's an amazing insight. Because you're, you're, you're taught to to not show weakness. Oh no, we no like it's it, you know what's it, I'm not saying it's weakness, right? No, but no, but, totally. it, but you know what I mean. In that totally, yeah, like you know, I, I absolutely agree. And also, if you want to like invest and work with the best people, I want to work with you because I feel like we have something now. You know me, and I know you. I've opened up another part of myself to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, but no, but, but I get it. I yeah, mean, the, 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 I don't let the world see. Why is why is sex an intimate act? <laughs> like it's because it's it's a privy act that very few people get to encounter with with that one person. It, it's a private thing, and so you feel you have a much tighter bond and connection. Do you, you you mentioned about eating. Do you ha- do you still struggle? Do you struggle with eating disorders? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really? listen, I don't think they ever go. Like you know, do I still? I'm I'm always very like very open with it. Like, do I still might make myself sick? No, but do I still every single day look at myself and I hate myself in the mirror? Yeah, yeah, multiple times a day. Do I feel fat in myself? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really, really hard. And if you have an eating disorder, it never, ever leaves you. And it's really tough. But again, it's like everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. You know, you could look at me on, you know, I've been lucky to be on loads of different things. and go, oh, $140 million fund, look at podcasts, look at all these things. No, I'm just as broken as everyone else with an eating disorder, with insecurities. The person on the other side of that interview table that you want the job from, trust me, they're broken too. And that's fine. When it comes to uh, an investment, do you invest in the idea or the individual or both or what's more? Ah, it's super easy. Never the idea. (laughs) Never the idea. Is it never? Never the idea. It should not be the idea. I mean, at the early stages, no. It's about the people. So, I I mean, I often, you know, think it's like, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And so it's like me asking you, um, what are we having for dinner tonight? And you go, pumpkin, we're having spaghetti bolognese. And... That's what you do. If I ask, how are you doing it? And you say, ah, I've just been to the farmer's market because they have the most ripe tomatoes and I'm going to saute them for three minutes and pepper them, some nice oregano and some beautiful olive oil from Tuscany. And then the pasta I've actually made specifically for this tomato sauce. It's going to be wonderful. That is how you do it. And if you apply that- Can you make that? No. So, 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 <laughs> no I'm really quite excited. No idea. Uh, <laughs> but that's amazing. Yeah. But if you think about like building a business, what you do, you, you know, create um, sweets, candy kittens, uh, how you do it. Tell me, Jamie, how do you think about hiring? What questions do you ask in interviews? How do you deal with internal morale when sales numbers don't work? How do you think about international expansion and making sure that they have the same culture you have in London? How do you think about firing someone? How do you think about one-on-ones, performance reviews? For the really great people, you will see it in how they do it, not what they do. 
insanely insightful dude i really appreciate it thank you and for being open and honest thank you so much no. I, I really honestly appreciate you coming on no, i loved it thank you for having me uh, it's been fab listen what we like to do at the end of the podcast is leave our listeners with something inspirational i i think the biggest mistake that people make is they just don't start what they have in their mind like you can actually achieve anything if you work hard enough but the first thing just start it that's the most important Harry Stubbies, thank you so much. Everybody, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Give me a beat. Go on, give me a beat. Uh, Alex in the house today. Everybody stand up and say, hey. Hey, Ali. What? Sick. Nice. Okay. Let's, uh, let's going to go platinum. Just like your hair color. I want to say a big thank you to Harry Stebbings and to A1 and J1 for coming on the podcast. You guys absolutely smashed it. Made us feel very old at times. Not me. Not me. Okay. I feel as youthful as those boys. Well done to you. I've got a spring in my step. And a flip in my walk. Yep. (laughs) There it is. There it is. All right, everybody. uh, Listen, uh, we're going to be back on Wednesday for another episode and Friday, obviously. So please tune into that. Um, remember to follow us on Instagram at private podcast sign into DMs we want to hear from you hey and let everyone know that you're listening to our podcast private pods have a great day have a great week we'll see you later we love you goodbye